Welcome to the sports edition of the Revolution Sports Podcast. This is your host, Tyler Wood. Thank you for joining us today. Before we get started, real quick, I just want to say happy Veterans Day to all the veterans that are out there. And I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service to our country and what you have done, the sacrifices that y'all have made to allow us to continue to live in a free country for fighting for our freedom and continuing to keep it that way, whether that's in the past, whether that's present day, just thank you so much. We will never understand the sacrifices that y'all have made for us, and there's just no way we could possibly understand whatsoever between you, yourself, and your families. So just thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you have done and what y'all will continue to do. This is definitely not forgotten today in a day where a lot of people slander our soldiers that is not going to be the case for me whatsoever so thank you i hope this day is the day that y'all deserve and get the respect y'all deserve but with that said though today is the sports edition of the the revolution sports podcast so we are going to be talking a good bit of sports today going to look at the second week of the college football playoff rankings kind of break that down real quick and then we're also going to look at just one game from college basketball we finally had Tip-off games, first games of the season, had a top 10 matchup, so we're going to take a quick glance at that. And then we're also going to look at the NBA and look at the standings, how things are shaking out. We're roughly about 15 games in for some teams, uh, some give or, I, well, some less than that. Um, but we're kind of just getting into the swing of things. Most people are getting an idea of where things are shaking out and how, how teams are going to look somewhat for the rest of the year obviously things can still swing either direction it's still early but at the same time though we're starting to get an idea of how teams are gonna are gonna shake out because we're seeing some that are very surprising that we're seeing that are I mean some teams 10 and 1 we're seeing some that are 8 and 3 so we're seeing some teams that were definitely not expected so even with that though obviously they have the potential to swing either direction but if they're winning at that type of rate, they probably got a good chance of keeping their season up. So we'll definitely get further into that when we get there. But with that said, though, jumping right into the rankings, want to look at just what's going on here. This is the second week. I'm going to give you the rundown real quick. I'll give you the top ten. Number one is Georgia, two Alabama, three Oregon, four Ohio State, five Cincinnati, six Michigan, seven Michigan State, eight Oklahoma, nine Notre Dame, ten Oklahoma State. So that's who we got rounding at our top ten. Just – the biggest, I guess you'd say, takeaway from this week is still, just like I said last week, I, I still can't figure out what this committee is doing. There, there's so many different ways you can look at how they're picking this top ten. And like I've said before, in the past past years, we've seen they've gone by the eye test. They say they want the best four teams in the playoff. And I don't know if you really see that this year. I don't know if you really the way things look i mean well from the way this is right here the the top 4 it makes sense to me but looking at the rankings that are right below that and in that bottom half of that top 4 it kind of just doesn't make much sense to me and how that is so uh with that said though just looking at it break it down team by team Georgia obviously deserves to be number one. I mean, there's not too much that has to be said there. They continue to look great, both sides of the ball. Offense continues to improve. Defense continues to look like the best defense, we've, one of the best defenses we've ever seen in college football. They do have a big test coming up this week against Tennessee. I know some people are saying are already signing the upset alert bills. I don't think we're at that point, but this could be a, a challenge. One of the fastest offenses Georgia will play this year, so that will definitely be one that we will take a look at later in our preview and predictions. 
uh, episode when that comes out Saturday. And then looking at Alabama, number two, this is one I said I, I agree with the top four. I do agree with who's in the top four. I don't agree with where the rankings are at, though, right now. Because to me, it doesn't it doesn't make much sense because you look at who sits behind Alabama, Oregon and Ohio State. Both, to me, have better wins. They also have looked better over the last couple of weeks to me. Just three weeks ago, at this point, we saw Alabama lose to A&M. And then just this, well, shortly after that, they played Tennessee. They struggled with Tennessee into the fourth quarter where Tennessee got sloppy, turned the ball over a couple of times, Alabama pulled away. And then just this past Saturday, we're at Alabama, and LSU was able to come in and give Alabama, a, I mean, just basically give them a good run for their money. It was 20-14. to 14. Alabama survived, it, but it didn't look like they were going to at certain points because LSU got the ball with, I mean, opportunity to score with six minutes left, and then later on they got down to about the 40, threw up a Hail Mary, didn't, didn't, they weren't able to complete it. But we're sitting here at Alabama for just, I mean, three times in just the last couple of weeks. They had one loss and then two other times it looked like they had potential to do that. This is just not the same Alabama team we've seen. And that's what I tried to explain to people at the beginning of the season when the teams were talking about them being the runaway favorite. I mean, I still remember that in week one after we saw Georgia beat Clemson. Everyone was talking about Alabama still as the runaway favorite. No one was going to catch them. To me, that just made no sense. You don't lose that type of talent that they did with that type of offense that they had last year. And they had some good players on defense last year as well. You don't lose that type of talent and then just turn around and expect to still just produce at that same level. And it's just not logical. And that's the problem with sports media. That's the problem with any media. It, none of it is logical. They don't want to give you logical thought process. They want to give you a narrative. And that's the narrative, the same narrative that they always produce. It's always the same one. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give you some false narrative. This is not the same Alabama team this year. They're going to struggle if they get in I do have them in my top four right now but I have them at the bottom of my top four I have them at number four right now because I feel like that's where they should be they haven't played good football but they still have looked like one of the best teams one of the top four teams in the country the only reason I have them in that top four even though struggling as bad as they have is because there's just kind of so much toss-up with with teams that are even below that you don't know how other teams are looking a lot of teams struggled this week I and mean, we saw that with Cincinnati we saw it with Michigan State losing, we you just saw it with a plenty of teams, and this continues to happen in different weeks. We saw Ohio State has now struggled for the past two weeks. It, it just it's just the way it is. So right now, to me, there's still Georgia one, and then you got a gap, and then you go two, three, four, and I think that's how it goes right now. But so Alabama sitting at two, you got three Oregon. They obviously get a win at Washington. That was a I mean a decent win for them. What nothing that's gonna just make you want to move them up all the way to number two, especially with everyone struggling the way they did. And so I get that one from the from the committee. Here's the problem I have with this one. This is why I, when I talk about when it comes down to eye tests and who's the best four teams, if you want to look at the best four teams you go by eye tests, to me you would have Ohio State ahead of Oregon. And here's why. I know Oregon has the head-to-head, so this is what they went with. They went with the head-to-head in, that, in, this, in this scenario because obviously Oregon beat Ohio State earlier in the season. So they went by head-to-head, but since then, Oregon obviously lost to Stanford, which has obviously proven to be a bad football team. Ohio State has went on. They have dominated for a couple of weeks, and they've kind of played kind of so-so football, I guess you say, over the past couple couple of weeks. But at the same time, though, it's still been good enough football to beat teams, and they've beaten them, I mean, enough to obviously keep winning. It hasn't been like one score like it's been with Alabama it hasn't been that so Ohio State still won like they needed to that offense is still really really good the defense is still what is hurting them their defense still struggles 
Um, but to me, when if you're going for best four, you have Ohio State to me at number two. That's why I still have them at number two. There's been nothing there to move move them. They've looked like number two compared to the rest of these teams, in my opinion. So to me, I don't understand why that head-to-head plays such a big deal right there between Oregon and Ohio State. And then you go, I'm going to skip Cincinnati real quick. You're going to look at Michigan and Michigan State. Michigan State obviously beat Michigan. So right here, just because Michigan State lost to Purdue, which is now ranked number 19, they're going to drop Michigan State behind Michigan. To me, that makes no sense. you got a head-to-head there. You think Purdue's good enough to be the number 19 team. They obviously have two top five wins this year when they beat Iowa earlier in the year, and now they beat Michigan State. To me, that just makes no sense dropping them behind Michigan State, especially if you're going to use the same head-to-head factor when it comes to the Oregon-Ohio State uh, three and four. Because it's the same scenario. Michigan State lost, but at least Michigan State lost to a better team. Michigan State obviously beat Michigan. I know what they're thinking, though. They're thinking that was such a close game. Michigan let Michigan State come back. It doesn't matter. If you're going to use one criteria for one group, like three and four, you have to still use it for six and seven here. So to me, this is just why you cannot figure out this committee. You cannot understand what they are trying to do. And that's why I really think that they have Alabama at number two as well. I think they're kind of just going off of a narrative. We know Alabama has been so good over the past couple of years. This is not the same Alabama team. This is, I mean, this is not. That's why I said at the at the highest they should be at number four. That's where I have them right now. But, I mean, just not using the same criteria for six and seven as you do for as you do for three and four. So it's just very wishy-washy. So to me, this is why I believe so much in expansion because expansion allows teams to decide this type of stuff on the field. Now, I know some people are going to say, oh, well, you're going to have the same problem with this, as you do with the four, five, and six spot as you will in the 12, 13, 14 when they're trying to decide who gets the final spot. Yes, you will have that, but it's still a little bit different because whoever's going to follow around that 12, 13, 14 slot, they're either going to have two losses, maybe even three. So at that point, though, all you have to – I mean – at that point, it's really easy just to say to a team, hey, you shouldn't have lost more than one game this year to be able to get in. We're giving you plenty of cushion room between the one spot and the 12 spot. That's all you have to do is get in between there, and you got a shot to play in it. At that point, there's a cutoff, though. I mean, not everyone gets a participation trophy. But here, you go 1 through 12, like they were talking about. You have the potential to let people play it out on the field. You have the potential for them to actually show who's the best team. Now, does that mean that a team could still get hot at 12 and go and win, even though, I mean... Th- that potential is there. That's what you want to see, though. If that tw- that number 12 spot is the hottest team in the country, they sneak in at 12 because they had two ba- bad losses earlier on, but they go through and they run the table, win the national championship, they're obviously the better team, but it was decided on the field versus a conference room where a committee's deciding it who can't even make up their minds on criteria for the whole entire rankings. So to me, obviously, none of it makes much sense. They left Oklahoma at 8, and that's should be the case they didn't play this week not much movement and then Notre Dame and Oklahoma State slide up here's one that to me I'm not really understanding is Texas A&M they've they started them out at 14 last week obviously I thought they should have been higher last week then this week they don't move them into the top 10 makes no sense to me because they to me they've looked better over the last couple of weeks than Oklahoma State we know Oklahoma State only has the one loss still though Texas A&M is looking better that's why I said you can't really, you really don't know what they're doing here. They're kind of just seems like they're just throwing teams wherever they want to put them. But Texas A&M, they have two losses. One of them was to Mississippi State, who was number seventeen last week in the first rankings. Their other loss is to Arkansas, who is now number twenty-five in this week's rankings. You have a win over number two Alabama. You have a win over number seventeen, number seventeen Auburn. You got, I mean, they've got 
one of the best wins in the country. They've beat a number 17 team. Their only two losses have been to teams that have both been in the top 25 the past two weeks. I'm not understanding why they're not higher there. They've played really good football. They're improving. Their offense is still a little bit of a struggle, but their defense has performed up to the level that we thought they could earlier on in the year. It's just now coming out. The problem is for Texas A&M, they just no longer control their destiny. They really need Arkansas or Auburn to really upset Alabama because at that point, if A&M can win out and obviously Alabama loses, they'll both be tied with two conference losses. A&M has the tiebreaker. They would go play Georgia and Atlanta. The problem is for A&M, though, they also have to be Ole Miss this week. That is going to be a tough test. That's going to be in Oxford, so that's going to be a very, very tough test. But So that rounds out really just the top 10 and 11 if you count A&M. We saw Wake Forest fall after they lost to North Carolina. It was glad to see that Wake Forest didn't fall much. Obviously, their defense is absolutely terrible, so I don't think they will ever have a shot at the playoff this year. They shouldn't, even if they went out through the ACC championship. But... Their offense is very good. They only lost by three. It was good to see that they didn't fall very much. Um, Auburn drops to 17 after the loss. I thought that was kind of – that was somewhat generous. I thought they could have fell to at least 19 or 20. They do have three losses, but their three losses are to very good teams. So I understand it a little bit. And uh, looking down the list, you got Purdue, who jumped into the top 25 after that win against Michigan State to number 19. Arkansas jumps in for the first time in the college football playoff rankings. UTSA makes a, an appearance after – getting their ninth win, they're 9-0. and Utah being red hot right now moves into number 24. So just some different stuff going on here. But I'm going to jump back up here real quick to Cincinnati. And this is where I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me. I've been looking at polls. I've been looking at what people have been saying. I've been listening to what ESPN says, CS, CBS Sports, any, any college football commentator, article, anything you can think of when it comes to Cincinnati. They keep saying that if Cincinnati just wins out, they'll get in. That's probably the case, though, because there's going to be some losses that are going to happen here. Michigan and Michigan State both had to play Ohio State, so we know those games are going to be coming up. Oregon's going to have to play a, a hot Utah team later on down the road. Um, Oklahoma's going to have to play some tough games later on. Georgia and Alabama have the potential to meet later on. There's just a lot of games that's going to have a lot of losses here coming. I mean, a lot of teams that are going to have some losses coming up here because they obviously have to play each other. So here's the deal. With Cincinnati, yeah, if you went out, you're in. But here's where I draw, where I have a problem with this. They're only winning because – they only will get in because of them being so high when the season first started out. They started out in the top – I mean, top couple of spots when the season first started out, top five, top six. But here's the deal. You start there, so you win, You keep winning. Your only big win you have is against Notre Dame. Notre Dame's obviously won. That's why they're still at number nine. They only have that one loss. But Notre Dame has not looked like world beaters. They haven't looked like a really, really good football team. They've looked just okay. They've won games that they're supposed to. When you only lose one game, you obviously get ranked high. That's how it usually goes. But for Cincinnati, you've seen them since then. They've struggled against just very average to very bad teams. And because of that, that's why they've started out at six last week. They move up to five this week. But that's the problem. They play nobody. So you really can't fault them for winning just because they win. But 
if they lose, obviously it's really bad. But the thing is, they're only getting these really, really close wins. They barely survived Tulane. Tulane had a shot there at the end to be able to tie them and send it to overtime. Tulane was three and five going into that game. Cincinnati was was eight and zero at that point. I mean, and this is not the first time they struggle with Navy. They struggle with different teams along the way. They don't play anybody outside of that Notre Dame matchup. That was probably one of the worst games that Notre Dame played all year. They only scored thirteen in that. And yes, Cincinnati's defense is decent, but it's not one of the best defenses out there and their offense I don't feel like has the production to be able to go in there and score enough points to be able to beat a Georgia I don't even know if they have enough points to beat an Alabama I just do not trust Cincinnati at all but here's the problem the narrative has built that a power or a group of five team has to be able to get in there because we keep them out and if we keep them out again we have to go towards expansion so I kind of feel like that's definitely where the committee is rolling with this because they do not want to keep that out. They because there's still some people in that committee. There's some people in the college football playoff, uh, just whatever you want to call it. That whole conglomeration there of people of staff. There's a lot of people that's still there that don't want to go to the twelve because they're stuck in their ways. They don't understand that there is a better system out there, which to me makes no sense because there's so much more money involved, not only for schools but for the college football playoff, for these TV broadcasters. It, it makes no sense not to expand. It only has everything to do with these people are stuck in their ways because college football, I mean, it's taken forever to just to get to this point. We saw where it used to be you just went by the rankings. Whoever was number one at the end of the year got the national championship, and then you went to a BCS format, and you only had the the top two, who, which was based off of a computer simulation on who or computer rankings based off of statistics who was going to get in. And then you went from there, and then you go to four now. Well, we've obviously seen four is obviously better than what we had because we have teams playing it out on the field. It has worked. But we're still seeing teams, we've seen it multiple times, where Georgia was left out on, at number five when they potentially looked like even the, even the top or number three or number two team by how close they played Alabama in SEC championship games. Or, I mean, we've just seen it different times where USC was left out, Penn State. We, we've seen it where these teams are left out and don't have a chance to show it on the field. So here here's my problem, though, with Cincinnati. We don't have that right now. We do not have that luxury. So... Why should they get in right now? It's just simply going to be because they don't want to add to that narrative that we need to expand to 12. We have these people in here setting their ways, don't want that because they don't want to deal with it. College football has been a certain way for so long, they don't want to change. Thing is, it's going to have to at some point because even if Cincinnati gets in here, what's going to happen? Cincinnati is going to get in and Cincinnati is going to get blown out. What's more than likely, they're either going to be three or four. I don't think they'll be any higher than that. So they'll either play, they'll probably play either Georgia or they'll play whoever's sitting at number two. By my estimation, how things look right now, it'd probably be Oregon. Well, I'd say Ohio State. Ohio State wins. Ohio State would be sitting at number two. So they'd play Ohio State or they'll play or or Georgia. Whichever team out of those two that they play, as long as neither one of those teams blow it, they'll absolutely dominate them. Cincinnati will get ran off the field. People are going to say the power, the group of five teams shouldn't have been in there. Cincinnati hadn't played nobody. That's what we'll hear all year. The thing is, that is the truth. That's why they shouldn't get into the top four. But here's the thing. Cincinnati should have the ability to prove that they aren't that good. But it shouldn't come at the cost in a top four. It should be in a top, it should be in a top 12 setting where they have the potential to play some of these other teams where they could get knocked out in earlier rounds. Because right now, I'm not taking Cincinnati against anyone in the top 10 against except for maybe Oklahoma State right now. That's about the only team I would take them against right now. And that's only because Oklahoma State, their offense has kind of been very up or down. So that's about the only team in the top ten. I wouldn't even take them against Texas A&M right now. I mean, that's just 
Cincinnati has not played good football. They're very inconsistent. The offense, I mean, they're playing bad defenses like Tulane, and you can't even score more than 28 points. It's just very, very disappointing to see them get in there. They're going to take a spot from someone like, I mean, if I mean, just I mean, you can throw any one of these teams up here right now. I mean, Oklahoma's sitting at eight right now. It looks like they won't even get in, depending on how things shake out. Uh, Oklahoma based off of who they play, they're still playing Power 5 teams. They're still playing a Big 12 schedule. they got to be able to win a Big 12 conference championship. If they do that, Oklahoma should be able to get in. But sitting at 8 right now is still going to be tough because they don't play too many great teams. I mean, they play some good teams later on, but they won't play any great teams down the road. That is going to help add to that resume. So they could potentially see themselves sitting on the outside, especially if things play out the way the rest the rest of the way they do. If Alabama loses to Georgia in the SEC championship and everybody just keeps moving up, it'll be Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati. I mean, that's how it'll play out if those teams just went out. And obviously Michigan and Michigan State at that point, if Ohio State wins out, you're sitting with they're sitting with two losses. But Oklahoma will be left on the outside based on what we have here. And we obviously, I would say Oklahoma, even though they've struggled, has the offense to be able to beat Cincinnati. So it's not that Cincinnati shouldn't have the potential to prove themselves. It shouldn't. It just shouldn't be in this format. It should be in a 12 where that group of five team can get in there. We can include that in like a conference. I should say if they win a conference title, they get one of the tops. You can say six spots or whatever. However, they want to do it. So, uh, like I, I mean, that's kind of how I would, how I would look at it. If conference champions get a just an automatic bid to the playoff. So, I mean, that's just one way they could do. It. They could do it. That's the one one of the ways I have liked looking at it. But you could definitely factor that in. If that is the case, they would have a chance to prove themselves. But I don't think it should be the, right now in the way the format is. It should not be at the expense of everyone else. And it just kills me because we see so many people complain about Cincinnati not being able to get in. Oh, it's ridiculous that Cincinnati's not in. It's not ridiculous. They're not one of the better teams out there. This is obviously they're way better than what UTSA is. UTSA is nine and zero. They've looked they've looked good by based on who they've played. I think Cincinnati would blow them out. But I mean, it's the same idea. I mean, as some of these other teams playing just because that they are undefeated doesn't mean that they are that great and so I think that's the type of scenario we're seeing here but so I mean that's the breakdown obviously we got some big games this week we'll break them down further in our preview and prediction show later later on this Saturday so be looking for that though going to be some good games this week my favorite that I'm looking at though is going to be Texas A&M and Ole Miss definitely one to look out for also be looking at that Georgia Tennessee one just to name a few but Moving on from there, looking at a quick game, just kind of give you a rundown real quick. Took a little bit longer on those that uh, that breakdown of the top twenty-five, but we had a matchup. College basketball tipped off. It says Coach K's last year and Duke found themselves in a top ten matchup to start the year out. Was a very close game all the way through, but Duke came out and to me, I was very impressed with their freshman. He looked great in this. He had 25 points. Kills did a great job. Trevor Kills. I mean, freshman come in, number one. He's a guard. Comes in and gives you 25 points in a top 10 matchup. That's absolutely huge if you're Coach K. Gives you plenty of confidence in what this team can do later on. I mean, just later on during the year. Obviously, Kentucky did a good job. Wheeler had 16 and 10. They look good. The only problem with him, he had seven turnovers. You can't be having your guards having seven turnovers and expect to win. And looking at just the overall how this game played out, we look at, I mean, shooting percentages played a big factor. And we had Kentucky shoot 32, I mean, 37 percent basically 38 you round up and then you had duke shoot 50 around up is 51 so this 38 to 51 that's a 13 percent difference when you're playing a top 10 matchup that's huge numbers right there 
And then the thing is, though, looking at it, though, Kentucky shot 38, basically 39% from three, and Duke shot seven. So that means consistently, and it, it was evident throughout the game, that Duke was able to be able to get in there, be able to get plenty of, well, they got plenty of free throws. They were 16 to 23 there, but they were able to get in the paint, create contact, be able to score inside. And when you do that, it's really hard to beat good basketball teams. So Duke was able to pull it out 79-71. This was Coach K's last last game in the garden. So it was um, great to see him get the win there as he's this is his basically walk-off season he'll call it quits after this they've already selected his replacement so going to be an emotional year there at duke but they got it looks like they got a good team to obviously move up in the rankings when the next ones come out but definitely going to be something to watch for kentucky though they obviously got a good coach with calipari over there they're a top 10 team they showed it in this i mean there was really wasn't like it wasn't like they got blown out this was a good game it stayed close both teams very physical did what they were supposed to do so just a good game and we'll obviously keep you up to date with some more big time games when they come out but just last topic up for the day we want to look at how just the NBA has been shaking out we're roughly about 15 games into the season some teams have played I think every team has played less than 15 games but we're getting to that point now where everyone's kind of shaking off the rust we're in the middle of the season now just that middle section not exactly right at midseason but we're at that point where everyone's just starting to figure themselves out Teams are starting to get their rotations down a little bit better. Some teams are obviously still trying stuff out. But mostly everybody has been able to figure figure out what they would like so far. But looking at the looking at the standings in both conferences, I think there's there's just surprises at the top for both both sides. Right now, I mean if you would have said that Washington was gonna be sitting at number one in the Eastern Conference even just after eleven games for them, I would have laughed at you because I mean I know they got traded. They got Kyle Kuzma in a trade. They put some pieces there, but for me, I mean, it's just a big shock. I mean, even last night, though, we're turn around and see them win another game. They look good in this one, and a lot of it they're playing. They're playing decent defense, but we're just seeing that Kuzma's been a, been doing a real good job. He's playing better than he has over the last couple of years with the with the Lakers, and obviously that comes with taking a smaller role with LeBron and with Davis being there. So I mean, obviously that's a big factor, but. Here now, he has the potential to shine right along with Beal, and that's, I mean, that's what he's doing. But even in this matchup, just last night against Cleveland, we see him where he had 22. Only other person that had in the 20s was Montrez Harrell. He's he's playing great, though, outside of, uh, I mean, he's still coming off the bench here, but he's just playing more free. I don't know if it was the sets that the Lakers were running for him, but he just plays, he's just playing tougher. He's playing more. I should say more free to play his game, and it's showing he had 24 and 11 last night. But like I said, going back to Kuzma, though, he was 8 of 14, 6 of 9 from 3. He didn't have games like this with the Lakers, and I don't know if it's because of the pressure that they had there in Los Angeles, the expectation to win a title, or just because I know sometimes it can play with a player's mind if he's just not the the guy on the floor, if he's not the one that the coach automatically wants to go to, or just doesn't have that trust factor, I guess you would say, with him being a younger player. That can affect you. But here, he I mean, obviously no one expected Washington to be really any good at all this year. And here he is helping be a big part of this team's success so far. Uh, Bradley Beal was, only had 13, 7-7. Seven seven. He was 4 of 19, and they were still able to get a win. Obviously it was against Cleveland. Cleveland's not the best team there is out there. But they're obviously, I mean... They're seven and five, so they've done some stuff right. But they were missing their their one of their better players in Colin Sexton, who's obviously out with 
with an injury. But for Washington, we see them at the top, and if they continue to play good basketball, they could finally find themselves in the playoff this year. Another team playing good basketball, Chicago. Chicago has played really good basketball with DeRozan and, and Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine. They've really come together. I mean, they're playing some – they're playing really, really well together. They're really playing off each other, doing what they're supposed to. DeRozan's kind of revitalized himself a little bit. Levine's obviously stepping up, showing that he is out of that group, though. He is the top dog there. He's still being able to score. Last night in their matchup against Dallas, he was just so efficient. Had 23 points off of 8-12 shooting, 2-2 from 3. I mean, that that's just phenomenal. That's the type of stats you want for one of your guards for your shooting guard and they're just playing great all around Alex Caruso has really been a big factor in this he went four for four 11 points in that third quarter here he is in the fourth I mean after the game's over with he has 16 points he was six to seven shooting three or four from three and that's what he did with the Lakers when he just comes in he brings instant energy brings instant offense to the team and he's doing that now in Chicago and Chicago's just got a good team that's starting to piece things together with DeRozan they got Vucevic there he's playing great 18 and 10 last night Got Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine. Lonzo's really stepping up his game. Had 21-6-6. And And they're just going to be tough to beat. They got so many good pieces there. And now, I mean, I think we're getting to the point with them especially. Washington has obviously been a surprise sitting at number one. But long-term... Chicago's definitely got some pieces to actually make a, I wouldn't say a run all the way to the title, but they got a ability, I would say, to definitely get to the second round of the playoffs, if not make some noise and get to the to the conference finals with who they have. So that's definitely interesting to look at. Brooklyn starting to play a little bit better. They're 8-4. and four. Philadelphia, they're 8-4, and four, but they're missing Joel, Joel Embiid for a little bit due to health and safety protocols um, due to COVID-19 exposure. So, He's going to be out for a little bit. Obviously, they're still dealing with the Ben Simmons drama, who has decided still not to come back. So they're continuing to find him for games that he has missed, even though he did come back for a little bit at training camp and got kicked out of a practice. But we already discussed that. If you want more on that, go find our podcast from from that time. You can find it in the, the title. But looking at the West real quick, this is the surprise for me. But I say surprise for me in the West. It really isn't that much of a surprise because I even talked about it when I did my my NBA preview of the season when I gave you my award winners. I had Steph Curry as my MVP this year, and it was just simply due to just different factors. We saw how well he played last year. He got robbed of an MVP, I felt like, last year. We saw Jokic win it. But this year, obviously, he knew that he was going to get Klay Thompson back at some point. They have pieces around them that have finally developed a little bit. They kind of have everyone healthy now on that side, other than Clay Thompson, who expected back sometime in December or January. And if he knew he could keep the ship afloat until that point and get Clay Thompson back, this team could actually make some noise later on in the West. And right now, which is how things are right now, obviously LeBron's out for the Lakers for for an extended period of time due to an injury that he's having. But right now we see the Warriors, they're sitting at 10-1. and one. Steph Curry's been a big factor in that. But the biggest thing I would say for them is they're just getting a lot from those players that they finally developed. We're seeing it with Andrew Wiggins. He's playing some of the best basketball he's played in his career. We see Jordan Poole. He's playing some of the best basketball. Over three years just being there, he's just start. He's in a starting role now. He's giving them consistently, I mean, 17, 18 points a game right now. Steph Curry had 25 last night in their win against Minnesota. 10-1. I mean, they're the only team that's only lost one game all year. They're doing what they're supposed to. Draymond still realizing his role. He had 7-5-6. and six. He didn't shoot the ball more than three times. That's what's so important for them, though. So, so, so many people miss that. They want to look at the stars. They want to look at the point totals. That's how you play your role. If you're Draymond Green, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You come in there. 
you know you're not going to shoot a lot, but you move the ball around. You play great defense because you're a defensive player. You score when you get the opportunity to. You give him five rebounds, six assists. That's what Draymond is supposed to do, and he doesn't complain about it at all. Andrew Wiggins had his biggest game of the year. He had 35 points off of 14 and 19 shooting. He looked great in this matchup. And like I said, Steph Curry gave him 25. Steph's constantly going to give you that. Had 50 just the other night. And that's what he's doing. He's continually giving you what a superstar does. He gives you 50 in a matchup against Atlanta. He continues to just elevate his game, and he's going to continue to do that to keep them afloat and keep their record. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see them continue this this winning streak that they're on, not losing very many games, especially till Clay Thompson gets back. And once Clay Thompson gets back, obviously they're going to have have to take some time to be able to get the pieces to gel a little bit with him not playing, basically almost in two years at this point. But you feel very confident in their ability. They've known what to do. They've won championships. They're championship-minded players, all-star caliber players. They've done it all. So you don't put it past him to obviously gel pretty quickly. I think they'll do that. Clay Thompson especially. Just I mean, he's a catch-and-shoot player. gives you good defense. It's just going to be a how fast can he get back into game shape, how how well is he shooting the ball. That's going to be, be a factor. But if they continue to play like they are right now, they're going to they're gonna be – in good shape later on during the year. But looking at the rest of the West real quick, kind of just give you the rundown. Utah's 8-3, and three, Phoenix 7-3. and three. Phoenix is looking real good here lately. They've won, they've won six in a row at this point, just like Golden State has. Team coming on strong, though, after they started out slow is the Clippers. They got five wins in a row, but they're sitting at number six right now. The Lakers sitting at seven. They're obviously missing LeBron, but their, their defense is just struggling. That's what kills me. They got so many decent players there on the defensive side of the ball that can play well. They got bigs that can play good defense. They got some guards that can play defense. It just seems like the effort's not there. Russell Westbrook has got all the potential to be a good defensive player, but he's so worried about offense and turning the ball over that it continues to hurt him, and it will continue to hurt him until the team buys in. And I don't know. I'm still not the time to hit the panic button yet there in Los Angeles, but and I'm still not because I even said when I gave you the preview and predictions for this team earlier on uh, for the NBA preview that I, that we did, I said it was going to take the Lakers time to really get together and gel. I said I was saying about mid-season is when you'd finally start to see them really starting to gel together a little bit and being able to make a run. It's going to be really hard to even get to that midpoint though and start to gel then. And the reason why I say that is because you've had this is not the first time LeBron's been injured this year. This is just the second time now and he's out for a f- more extended period of time. It becomes really hard when your star player is constantly out to be able to gel. What happens is other people like Russell Westbrook are going to take a larger role and they're not going to they're going to become accustomed to that and when you have that player like LeBron step back in it becomes harder to give it back. So that is going to be something to watch for when LeBron comes back if they're going to be able to gel. I don't know. I'm starting to get. A, I am starting to get a little antsy about it. But for them, they're only 12 games in. Anthony Davis has got to do more. He's the superstar there. He's got MVP caliber, uh, just play style, everything you would want from that big man. He's seven foot with guard capabilities. But he just, I don't know. He's so timid. He's he's so worried about getting down low and being physical. His jump shots kind of hit or miss sometimes. I don't know. You just expect more out of him. Expect him to do more. Westbrook had a triple-double in this overtime win against the Heat. So, I mean, that was a good win for him. Obviously, Miami has been good this year, but it went to overtime. They only won by three, and it was also with Jimmy Butler being out because he got hurt earlier during the game with a sprained ankle. So, I mean, take it how you – get a win how you can, but it's not a overly impressive win. They're sitting at 7-5 and five right now, number 7. 
They better win some games, though, because it looks like Golden State's going to run away with that top spot. And some other teams are really starting to come along. Like I said, with the Clippers winning five in a row, you got the you got Denver sitting at number four with three wins in a row. Phoenix at number three with six wins in a row. A lot of teams in the West starting to pick it up, and Memphis is sitting right on their heels, and they're ready to go. John Morant's been playing some great basketball, and he's going to continue to do that like he has. Portland, they've struggled. They're sitting at number 10 right now. That's just due to part because Damian Lillard has struggled earlier on during the year. Obviously, you know, at some point he is going to pick it up, and if he does, I expect them to move up further up the further up the standings. And I think that will happen pretty soon. He's just struggling a little bit right now. But that's what happens sometimes. Like I said, it's still, it's still early in the season, but we are starting to see players that are starting to really – get settled in and I think he'll get settled in real soon because we're getting to that point but with that said though that's that's all I got for you today had a lot of different stuff to to cover definitely wanted to get it all in but thank you for joining us today be looking for our college football preview and prediction show that we will have this Saturday tomorrow at eight o'clock we'll have a politics edition of the revolution sports podcast so be looking for that if you are looking for breaking news on any sports or political news make sure you follow our social media pages you can find the links to those at our website at therevolutionsports.com be looking for that tomorrow we will also have our preview and predictions for college football the article coming out so be looking for that we'll have a couple of games on there we'll have some quick picks on there as well that's something that we are adding just to give you a couple of quick games you can look at just look at what our predictions are real quick not not a breakdown but just some games we would like to give you a score on real quick just to add some more to it but with that said though i do appreciate you joining us today once again happy veterans day to all the veterans out there and we'll see you in the next one (music) 